Welcome to the Renaissance Podcast, and thank you for joining with us to worship and learn more about God. We are so excited to have you be a part of this week's service. For more podcasts and services from past weeks, or to join us online on Sunday mornings, check out the Church at Home page at rendicator.org. Now, enjoy the message. My name is Joe, and I'm one of the leaders here, and we're really glad that you're here. Today is our fourth and last week of our summer series titled That One Thing, and we are, we've been really, I don't know, it's been really great to have this. If if you haven't been with us, or if you haven't been watching online, I would encourage you to go back and watch those uh, previous weeks. I was thinking to myself just yesterday, because what we've done in this series is asked the different speakers that they would go and pray and ask God to tell them what that one thing was that he was saying to them about Renaissance. And I was thinking about that yesterday and how great it would be to, for me to go back and, and revisit those messages and hear again what God is saying to Renaissance and, and piece them together. And, and today, I, I don't want to say that we've saved the best for last because we don't play like that. But I want to tell you that the, the person who um, will be sharing with us today is someone that I've grown to have an immense amount of respect for. If, I, if this was not my family, if I didn't come here to this church, if y'all weren't my people, I would go to his church. <laughs> and he would be my pastor. He, he is a pastor here in Decatur, Illinois. His name is Jamison Wheeler, and he's a great friend of our church. So would you join me in welcoming today Jamison to the stage? <laughs> Good morning. Oh, doggy. <laughs> all right. How you all doing this morning? It is very, um, I'm super excited to be here. Um, I want to first start off by saying thank you to the Renaissance family, um, Pastor Jeff, and all of the staff here for just being so hospitable. Um, I don't really do good with this stuff up front, so I'm just going to, you know, thank you so much for allowing me to be here. I'm extremely excited about what God is doing here at Renaissance. Um, I want to echo this. If I didn't pastor a church, this would probably be the church that I would go to. This church is amazing, man. Um, The things that you all do here is so amazing. I just stand at awe at the amount of time and effort and dedication that's put in just to make this thing go smooth. And so if you all would just join me in just giving a round of applause to you all's pastors and staff. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to jump right into the word. Um, At our church, because I'm the pastor, um, I can preach as long as I want to. Uh, (laughs) I won't do that today. I'm going to be very mindful of you all's time. Um, I can be a bit long-winded, but I won't be that today, so you don't have to worry. You'll get out of here on time and go to your other plans. Um, But 
even before I pray, will you all please um, thank Pastor TJ and the worship team? I don't know if I just called him a title that's not his, but TJ <laughs> and the worship team uh, is extremely amazing, man. Just ushering us into the presence of God. I don't know if you all can tell, but the spirit of God is in this room. And I came expecting, every time I come to church, I tell the people at our church, I come expecting to touch the hem of Jesus' garment every time I come. And so I'm expecting that my life has changed. And I've already had an encounter with God, and God has already begun to deal with me about some stuff, man, some mess I got going on right there in the front row, man, just in worship. So let's, let's pray, and then we'll jump into this. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your presence. We thank you, Lord God, for what you're doing in this room. I thank you, Lord, for the tangible manifestation of your glory. I pray today that as we encounter your word, we'll see your word in a light that will cause us to never be the same again. God, we don't want to come and have church as usual and leave, God, the same way we came. But cause us to have an encounter with you today that will change our lives forever, that will change the way we see ourselves, that will change the way we see you. Have a, cause us to have an encounter that will change the way we see the world around us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so um, I started pastoring um, Probably about a year ago, I started pastoring in January of 2020. Yeah, I saw that lady's face right there. Somebody not doing good with the lights because I can see everybody's face. I saw that lady's face right there. Yeah, I started pastoring in January 2020. Matter of fact, January, I'll never forget it. January 26th of 2020 was our installation service. Um, and let me rewind a little bit. I'm a, I'm a father. I'm a husband. My beautiful wife is in the back with our, um, can you wave your hand? She's so fine. (laughs) Yeah, I'm a brag about my wife, man. God did that for me. And we have five beautiful children who I hope are not giving the children's staff a hard time today. Uh, (laughs) So if it's anything like my house, it's a jungle in all those classrooms right now. Um, and then our, our new addition, Ezekiel, is back there in the, in the baby seat. I think my wife said he's a month old. I don't do good with dates, so he's a month old. It's, it seemed like he'd been here for a while. But I started, I started pastoring January of 2020, and um, I didn't know, you know, because I don't, I don't really watch the news and that kind of stuff. I'm not, I had a guy tell me that I needed to start watching the news, and I tried it. But if there's anybody in here that works for the news, I'm not. Please don't be offended by this, but I just don't like the news. It's, it's not what I would typically watch when I sit down and turn the TV on. And so I had no clue about, you know, COVID and all that kind of stuff that was going on. Like, I had heard it in passing, but I would have never thought that a, three months later we would be looking at something like a global pandemic, and they would be shutting restaurants down and all that kind of stuff. So three, three months into pastoring, I have to make a decision on whether or not to close our church doors. Toughest decision of my life because I was new at it. And I'm still new at it. Every position that God has ever put me in, I've always felt underqualified. And I think that God did that for a purpose because in, in pastoring, if I had a knew what I was doing, I could have relied on my experience. But let me speak for all the pastors. No one knew what they were doing. No one. 
None of us knew what we were doing. And so God put us in a position where we had to totally and completely rely on him. And so, I mean, I don't have a degree in this. I didn't go to to college for any type of leadership. I mean, I went through college. I went in the front door and out the back. It just did not work for me. And, And so, you know, in leading, I've always had to take everything to the Lord in prayer. God, what do we do? And so here we, we're, we're not a new church. Our church has been around for, for uh, was 2002, so almost 20 years our church has been around. Um, and the leader that was there, and he still oversees our church. Um, some of you all may know him, Apostle Jesse Bates. He went and planted a church in Springfield, and so I pastored a church in Decatur. Well, the church in Springfield, you know, it, it closed. And I said, God, I, I, I haven't heard from you. And, the, and my, my thing has always been, if I don't hear from God, I'll keep going with the last thing that he told me. And so I'll never forget when, you know, the governor came and made the, and, and let me say this on the outset, I'm not anti-governor, I'm not pro-governor. This is not to do with any politics at all. I'm just telling you what was my experience, okay? So don't go from this message and say that the, that the guy that preached today did not like the governor. That's not what I said. And don't go from this message and say the guy for that preached today loved the governor because that's not what I said, okay? So when the governor came, he made this announcement about things closing, about the different phases of the pandemic and all that kind of stuff. I'll never forget it. It was a Friday. And I had spent the, the bulk of that day with um, the most amazing guy in the world, probably Chris Krause. And we were spending, and I'll never forget this, man. We were doing something in worship, and I just went home to take a nap because I was so stressed. Like, I didn't know what to do. I was going to take a nap. And when I woke up, God specifically spoke to me and said, keep going. It wasn't a decision that was made based on, like, super spiritual faith. I mean, I do have super spiritual faith. I believe that God can heal any disease. But that's not what I made that decision based off of. I didn't make the decision based off of my defiance to the government. Who's the governor to tell me what to do? I'm the pastor. Nope, that was not why I made the decision. I made the decision simply because God said to keep going. And so when Pastor Joe and Pastor Jeff sat down and they talked to me about, well, what's that one thing that God is speaking to you about renaissance? I, I don't have a one thing that God spoke to me about renaissance. But what I do have is a one thing that God spoke to me about the church, because renaissance is a part of the church, the global church. All of us, we may come from different backgrounds. Believe it or not, even Catholics, if they believe that Jesus is the son of God, they are a part of the church. And so this is for the entire church, black, white, Jew, Gentile, the entire church. And here's this question that God asked me that then I turn around and ask God, because you know how God is. He asked you a question like, I don't know. So what Ezekiel say in the Bible? He said, you know, Lord. So how can the world in the midst of turmoil, in the midst of a global pandemic called the church, the only organism that has the power to navigate through this pandemic, how can they call us non-essential? How can they call us the ones who carry the power of Jesus? Because you remember Jesus said to his disciples, I'm sorry, Joe, but now I feel like preaching. (laughs) Jesus Jesus said to his disciples, he said, go and heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. We have that type of power. How can the world call us non essential Well, because we call God non-essential. We did. The church. 
The believers, the ones that say we believe that God has called us to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to cleanse the lepers and cast out demons. He's called us with that power, but we've called God non-essential. How do we call God non-essential? Because the most important thing to some of us as churchgoers has been Sunday morning. I like this quiet, man. (laughs) Can I break some news to you? This is not the most important part of our Christian walk. This is, this, is, this is where we come, and I don't want to take away from the importance of this, because this is where we come to be empowered, right? We come and get powered here, empowered here to go out and take that power to the rest of the world. This is what I like to call, this is our charge. So would you call your phone charger the most important part of your phone? No. I'm going to answer that for you because y'all are quiet. It's not quiet. It's not quiet at our church. Sometimes the folks at our church talk too much. And the, the, more, the, the quieter that you get, the longer I'm going to preach. Uh. So how did we get to a place where, where the Father had become non-essential to us? Because our, our, our passion had got shifted somewhere. We've, we've lost compassion for people and got more compassionate or passionate about, you know, the, 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 the worship set or the, 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 the preaching, the, the three-point sermon. We've, we've lost our, our zeal, our desire to see people come to know the Lord. I had to ask this question to our church, too. When's the last time a lost person came into the church and felt welcome? When's the last, person, last time a person was able to walk off of the street, stinky, smelly, high, drunk, and felt welcomed in church? This is supposed to be a hospital for the sick, but instead it's become our personal coffee shop. We come and get our ears tickled and Lord forbid if Pastor Jeff come up and preach a strong word. See, I could preach a strong word because Pastor Jeff is my friend now. Chris is my friend. Joe is my friend. And so if they don't invite me back, we're still friends. (laughs) But if the pastor was to come up and preach a strong word, half the people would leave the church. Didn't we see that stuff happen throughout the pandemic? Especially when the pandemic, and I'm getting a bit ahead of myself, but especially when the pandemic is like right at election season. If the pastor don't come and tell you to vote a certain way, pastor, you're not doing God's will. Let me say this. I never saw Jesus tell somebody who to vote for. Amen. And so our, our lack of compassion for people has caused people, and we may find ourselves in this place today, but it's caused people to come into the building and mask our issues and mask our dysfunction. Lord forbid that wife and I have an argument, which happens every Sunday morning, by the way. <laughs> wife and I have an argument on Sunday morning. We got to come in and put a smile on because the people in the church expect us to look a certain way. Remember, this is the hospital for the sick. If you go to the ER and your leg is broke and the doctor say, what's wrong? You say nothing. That's a problem. God has called this place to be a hospital. 
And so our lack of compassion has turned it from a hospital into a, a country club. Look, what if, what if, what if TJ and the worship team sung a song you didn't like? Man, I don't like that worship team. They can't sing no way. Here's this word that I want to keep throwing around today, which is compassion. I like to do definitions in a bit of a different way. I love the dictionary definitions, but then I'm also today going to use some Bible to describe a word and, and to define this word. So dictionary definition of compassion is this. It's a feeling of deep sympathy and sorrow for another who is stricken by misfortune, accompanied by a strong desire to alleviate the suffering. Here's what the Bible has to say about this. Here's this biblical definition. Acts chapter 1, excuse me, verse 3 in the Amplified Classic. This is what it says. To them he also showed himself alive after his passion, which is his suffering in the garden on the cross by a series of many convincing demonstrations, unquestionable evidences, and infallible proofs appearing to them 40 days and talking to them about the things of the kingdom of God. So the Bible called passion suffering. You know what happened on the cross? You know, Mel Gibson had a movie about that called The Passion of the Christ, right? Passion is, is Jesus' love for us drew him in the place. We found Jesus struggling with his passion in the garden where he was before the father while he was praying and he said, Father, if there's any way that this could be done a different way, can you let this cup pass from me? But in wrestling with his passion, passion won because he ended up saying, nevertheless, not my will, but your, wills be, your will be done. And so passion in Jesus' passion is his suffering, how he suffered. But compassion is this. The Latin word for passion, it translates to suffering. We just saw that in scripture, right? Well, that prefix C-O-M means with. So compassion is our ability to suffer with one another. How often does your brother or your sister hurt and you say, that's not my problem? See, in the midst of a global, of a global, a global pandemic, the church, the body of Christ lost or not lost. It was manifested that we did not have compassion because we did a lot of bickering with one another. And so if we can't suffer with one another, Lord forbid, how are we going to suffer with the lost? Excuse my ebonics, by the way. <laughs> how will we suffer with the lost if we can't suffer with one another? Can I bring this home today? And somebody, if you throw a rock today, I'm going to throw it right back at you. We can't suffer with our brother and our sister who vote different from us because they voted different from us. Well, you Democrat and I'm Republican, and so you really not, I've heard this a lot too, Joe, you really not even Christian. 
or or how how it, how am I able to suffer with? Oh man, I didn't want to do this, but here we go. Here we go. You praying back there? Uh-huh. All right. How how is it that the church can be divided over something like whether or not Black Lives Matter? Jesus died for all lives. And so what, is, so what does that mean? What does that mean? If there's a certain people group that are being oppressed, then as a believer, I'm supposed to suffer with them. Yeah, that's what we're supposed to do. Suffer with them. So I, I did this. Man, I did this, 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 this leadership training, um, and I'm not going to say the name of it, but just so you all know, you know, the room was very opposite to this room, right? It was like, so there was no white people, man. And they, so what they did is they divided these groups of leaders. Most of us were pastors. Some of us were social service agencies and stuff like that, and they divided us into three groups, and our group had the only white guy. In the whole, whole five-day conference, we had the only white guy. And, man, this thing is designed to call leaders to, hey, man, you go and you lead. You be a strong leader. And so this white guy was being a strong leader. And one of the facilitators told him, wait. And it, the purpose of this, right, it, I don't think it was like for a racist agenda. It may have been, but I spoke about it because I was suffering with my brother who happened to be a white brother. They, they told him, like, we don't need a great white savior. That's what they told this man. And he was giving some good ideas. And I said, wait a minute, I don't care what color his skin is, he giving us some good ideas. We struggling with this stupid assignment that y'all gave us. He helping us. And, and well, well, the white man has always been oppressing us and blah, blah, blah. And I said, but he's not. And they all jumped down my throat. And I did not care. <laughs> because he was my, he's my brother. And so he was being oppressed because of the color of his skin. Well, what about, what about in the United States where that's happening to people of darker skin complexion all over? We took this stance as the churches, oh, that's not my problem. Some people, some churches, that's not our problem. How come it's not? If you want to know, and this is the last thing I'm going to say about this because I feel the uncomfortableness in this room. If, if, if you want to know why we have groups like Black Lives Matter who, whose agenda is um, garbage, it's because the church didn't take the cause. We were supposed to take up that cause. So you wouldn't have to worry about all the extra stuff being thrown in because we were supposed to take up that cause. We were supposed to be leading that movement. But the world did it, and so it looks like the world. Chaotic. All kinds of stuff mixed into it. Anywho, let's continue. <laughs> Compassion is the demonstration or it's the tangible expression of love for those who suffer. Romans 5 and 8, and I didn't give them this, so don't, don't worry about looking at it on the scripture, but Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says this, but God demonstrated his love in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What does that mean? While we disagreed with him, he still died for us. 
Jesus' compassion was so strong that even while he was being crucified, his prayer to the Father wasn't for himself. He was interceding for those who had crucified him. Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. His love was so strong that while he was suffering, he still thought about somebody else. Man, Acts chapter 14, 21, 22. As the church of Jesus Christ, and I just want to say that so we get ready, but as the church of Jesus Christ, we have, a com- have to completely understand that God has called us to suffer for the sake of one another and the lost. So here in Acts chapter 14, 21 and 22, this is what this says. It says, after they had evangelized that town and made many disciples, they returned to Lystria, to Iconium, and to Antioch, strengthening the disciples by encouraging them to continue in the faith and by telling them, it is necessary, somebody say necessary, to pass through many troubles on our way into the kingdom of God. Compassion or suffering is necessary as a Christian. Yeah, I know that we want to live our lives as comfortable as possible, but suffering is necessary for a Christian. Here's a side note, and then we'll get back on on point here. The last two scriptures that we just read, Jesus and the apostles did not mention anything about church service. What they mentioned was the kingdom of God. The church's main focus is never to be our our services. The church's main focus is the kingdom. Yeah, the church is a part of the kingdom. The service is a part of the kingdom. But kingdom work is so much bigger than just doing church. That's how we got our, our priorities mixed up. Because the main thing has become, do we go to church? Can I, can I break some news to you? You're not doing God a favor by being here. Well, I did my good Christian deed. I went to church on Sunday for a good hour. Hallelujah. That ain't it. So let's look at, let's look at some, some um, evidences of what compassion really looks like. Let's look at some, some um, yeah, let's look at some stuff. Matthew chapter 15, verse 32, and I didn't give them this scripture either. <laughs> so Jesus is is on this, what I like to call, he's on like this, this miracle crusade, right? He's doing miracles all over the place. Because he's doing all these miracles, then thousands of people are coming to follow him and see what's going on. And so while he's doing this, the people get hungry. And we pick this up uh, in, in Matthew 15, 32, and I'm just going to read one verse. It says, Jesus called his disciples and said, I have compassion on the crowd because they, they've already stayed with me three days and have nothing to eat. I don't want to send them away hungry, otherwise they might collapse on the way. So the disciples had just saw Jesus perform a miracle in feeding the 5,000. Now here's 4,000, and they're, they're, for some reason they, they lack faith. Right. And so Jesus, because he's compassionate, he says, let's feed the people. So here's this. Compassion requires understanding. So what what does understanding have to do with that? Jesus knew what it was like to be hungry. 
Some of us, and I, I'm not, I don't want to say anything about like, you know, how, how we live our personal lives other than some of us have such a comfort zone to where we haven't really experienced some things, which is okay. I'm not saying that everybody got to go out and, you know, go do drugs and come back to church. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that some of us haven't been through anything, and so we don't understand what it's like to be hungry. And because we don't understand what it's like to be hungry, when we see somebody that's hungry, it doesn't mean anything to us. But Jesus, how did Jesus know what it was like to be hungry? Well, he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights in the desert. And, and he had an opportunity to turn some, some stones into bread. Remember the devil tricked, tried to trick him and tempt him to, to turn some stones into bread? Well, Jesus knew what it was like to be hungry. So when he saw the crowd, he said, no, let's do something about it. And when Jesus did something about it, every time Jesus moved with compassion, miracles happened. Could that be why the miracle signs and wonders that's supposed to follow the believers haven't followed the believers? So compassion requires understanding. Now let's keep going. We got to move pretty fast here. Luke chapter 7, verse 11 through 15. Um, and I did give them this, by the way. That's some good water. All right. Afterward, he was on his way to a town called Nain. His disciples and a large crowd were traveling with him. Just as he neared the gate of the town, a dead man was being carried out. He was his mother's only son. She was a widow. A large crowd from that city was also with her. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion. Somebody say compassion. Compassion on her and said, don't weep. Then he came up and touched and opened the coffin. And the pallbearer stopped. And he said, young man, I tell you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him to his mother. Then fear came over everyone, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen among us, and God has visited his people. This report about him went throughout Judea and all the vicinity. So here's the second thing. Compassion will cause us to see beyond what we can actually see. So the scripture says that this woman was a widow. And it also says that, this, that the person that was dead was her only son. And so most of us would just see a funeral procession. But Jesus was able to see that the person that was dead, this was all she had. This was literally the last thing that she had was her son because she was a widow, which means her husband was dead. And this was her only son. This is all she had. And so Jesus, being moved with compassion, goes to perform a miracle that will meet her need because he saw something that most people didn't see. He was able to look into what the real problem was. Man, here, here we go with some controversy. I wasn't planning on doing this either. But ha have you ever wondered why an alcoholic is an alcoholic? Oh, man, that, that guy's just drunk. Well, do you know what he's been through? And, and we want to go and say, hey, man, you need to stop drinking. No, we need to go and find out what are you trying to cover up, man? Who hurt you? Okay. <laughs> <sighs> C 
Compassion causes us to look into people's lives and actually try to meet a need. See, sin is just a symptom. There's, there's root issues. There's, there's somebody dealing with, you know, sexual addiction. Like, like myself, I had a sexual addiction. I had a problem. And I tried so hard because, you know, in church, either, you know, one or two things most of the time is going on when it comes to that kind of stuff. They'll tell you, you know, you're bad, you dirty sinner. You know, you stop doing that stuff. And then there's other people that they will just ignore the issue. Well, for me, man, I, I had been molested. And I was trying to mask and cover up what happened to me with the sexual addiction. And so uh, until I was able to go and heal from that hurt, the sexual addiction would keep coming back because it was just a symptom. God is not into just healing symptoms. He wants to heal every disease. And so whether it's a hurt from, you know, molestation or whether it's a hurt from abuse and people telling you that you never amount to anything. And so now you're trying to cover all that stuff up. Man, I need to chill. You're trying to cover all that stuff up. Whatever it is, God wants to heal the actual disease. And how does God do that? Through the church. Us. We're responsible for that. Let's keep moving. Mark chapter 1, verse 39. Here we go. He went into all of Galilee, talking about Jesus, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. I always find this is funny, right? Because most of the miracles that Jesus did, he, he healed a bunch of sick people. He did that outside of the church or the, or the temple. But the miracle that Jesus did in the temple was casting out demons. Yeah. Verse 40. Then a man with leprosy came to him and on his knees begged him, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched him and said, I am willing, he told him, be made clean. Immediately, the leprosy left him and he was made clean. Then he sternly warned him and sent him away at once, telling him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go and show yourself to the priest and offer what Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet he went out and began to proclaim it widely and to spread the news with the result that Jesus could no longer enter a town openly. But he was out in the deserted places and they came to him from everywhere. So compassion is the enemy of comfort. Notice how Jesus touched this leper because he was moved with compassion. Leprosy is a contagious disease. And so if you touch a leper, most of the time you'll get leprosy. But Jesus was not concerned about himself in that moment. He moved out of what most of us, you know, would deem to be our comfort zone. He moved out of that because of his love for another human being. You know, the Bible doesn't say that this leper was a Christian. Right. He reaches and touches this leper. Compassion will cause me to touch people who the world deems as untouchable. 
to love those who the world deems as unlovable. Let's keep moving. Oh, man. So Matthew 20, 29 through 34, it says this. As they were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. There were two blind men sitting by the road. When they heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. The crowd told them to be quiet, but they cried out all the more, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. Jesus stopped, called them, and said, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, they said to him, open our eyes. Moved with what? I just wanted to make sure you were awake. Jesus touched their eyes. Immediately they could see and followed him. You notice every time Jesus was moved with compassion, he touched somebody. These blind men ask for mercy, which is basically saying, God, give us something that we don't deserve, right? We, we you know, we're, we're, we're sinners, right? All of us in this room, we've all sinned. We've all made mistakes. And so God's mercy gives us what we don't deserve. But Jesus instead responded with compassion because compassion says, I love you so much that despite what you've done, despite what you look like, you deserve it. You're worth it. And so he touched these blind men and then they they received their sight. Compassion requires proximity. It requires for us to be close with people. In a socially distant world, it requires for us to be close with people. Now, listen, I'm not saying quit doing Zoom meetings and Skype meetings. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that when you Zoom somebody, at least make sure that your love is close. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, this is what it says. It says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich for your sake. He became poor so that by his poverty, you might become rich. See, Jesus left the riches of heaven. He left his comfortable space as the son of God to be known as the son of man to live in poverty for us. He gave up his riches for somebody else. When's the last time? Oh, that thing is red. When's the last time? When is the last time that you, when it comes to missions, right? It's easy for us to write a check and send it somewhere. But when's the last time you went out into your community, maybe downtown, Central Park area, and actually went and started praying for those and touching those people that you most of the time say, get on your nerves? Because they're always asking for something. It's easy to go in your pocket and give if you got it. See, Jesus left his comfort for us. I think some of us have been saved for so long, and I use that word saved lightly, because some folks, everything that's sitting in church ain't saved. Just, just like everything that's in your garage is not a car, right? <laughs> some of us have been saved for so long that we forget we really don't deserve this. Because even the white collar lie is enough of a lie to bust hell's gates wide open without the blood of Jesus. But thanks be to God, because his love and compassion for us, he saw fit to give for us his only son. He gave his only so that we can live. 
That's what compassion looks like. Compassion is something that needs to be demonstrated. It's not something that's talked about. This is how we be the church. No, that sentence wasn't properly put together, but this is how we be the church. By demonstrating God's love for the world that's around us. People of God, church, let's get out of this this act of church. And let's really go and be the church that God called us to be. Then we'll see, we'll see the manifestation of the power of God in our services. I told the people at our church, I'm tired of coming here and not experiencing God's power. We're supposed to experience his power every time. Most of the time, it's because we don't expect anything. But other parts of the, well, that's really the the issue. We don't expect anything. We come here and we act church. We don't be church. Let's go and be the church. Let's quit acting it. Quit, Quit making Facebook posts talking about, you know, what the Bible says about homosexuality and abortion and not really going and touching folks. Let's quit doing that. If you ain't gonna be about it, don't talk about it anymore. Somebody's supposed to be playing something. <laughs> People of God, let's, let's, let's spark a movement in this city. If I'm allowed to you know, speak to you all prophetically for a moment, I believe that we are on the edge of some great breakthrough and revival in this city. I believe with everything in me that God is wanting to do something spectacular in this city that's going to change this entire nation. I believe it. Yeah, a little old Decatur. This is where it starts. It starts with the church being the church. It starts with us loving one another despite our disagreements. It starts with us actually going and embracing those who may live a way that we don't agree, that we don't agree with. This is where it starts. I want to encourage you. I don't know if you all, you know, how you all feel about your pastors, but I even believe that your pastors, God has been speaking to them about some, some really strong stuff, and they're, 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 they're struggling with how to say it. I want to encourage you to quit. Uh, no, 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 not y'all. Maybe just people in Decatur. Let's quit being weak Christians, and let's eat some strong meat, man. Let's eat some strong meat. That's that's what's going to change the world around us. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for what you've done. God, my prayer is not so much about whether or not people remember this word that was preached. But my prayer is that you would even begin to speak things I didn't say. God, cause us to be those who who love people in such a way that we'll be willing to suffer with them. Cause our love and our compassion be the thing that drives and that motivates us each day. 
even when we go to work, cause our compassion for our coworkers to drive us past just doing our job and to really checking on the people around us. How are you doing? What's going on in your life? God, I thank you so much for this church and this body of believers. I pray, God, that as we leave this place, that we'll take what we got here and begin to to infect this world around us. Infect this world around us by not just preaching the gospel, but living the gospel. In Jesus' name. Thanks for joining with us today. We would love to pray for you and make a connection with you. So please check out the Church at Home page at rendicator.org. Here you can ask questions, request prayer, find past messages and podcasts, or support Renaissance through online giving. We can't wait to hear from you.